0: Everyone, we are back. Mm -hmm. It is, uh, it nearly wasn't, but it is Richard, Steve, and Angela. Angela, hello, she deserted us last week to go swatting swatting off to Colorado. It was
1: Colorado, yeah, but I'm back, yes. And then you were sick, and then I was sick, and I hope my voice holds out for this if it doesn't.
0: So, while we've got your voice at the start, yes, because uh, we actually, you don't know this, but we talked about you last week. Oh and we're no. Like, oh what yeah. Did she's, say? she's gone to an awesome conference. She like, it's sad that she's not a part mm-hmm. of this conversation, but she'll be yes. encouraged and full. And, and so we said, we should ask you like, what's the top thing you carried back from Colorado. That's really encouraged you that you could pass on.
1: The top thing that I carried back from Colorado. It was a Christian conference. It was a leadership conference. Um, for an organization that I serve in. And um, they do these conferences every year for um, certain leaders. And this year, it was a commission. And they usually give us, like, one thing to focus on for the year. This year, it was make Jesus known. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. that is something that's just on the forefront of my mind, all the different ways to get Mm. the word out about Jesus. And sometimes... It's just about how you live your life. It's mm. just about how you um, respond to people when they're broken. You draw near rather than say something like, call me if you need anything. Yeah. Um, so how do we make Jesus known? And what does that look like in all the areas of my life? So that oh, was a big cool. takeaway. Um, there are lots of nitty gritty training things I learned as well, but that, that, this is the overarching theme. Yeah, that's the inspiring Jesus known. Yes. Oh,
0: cool. That is um, apropos for the conversation we're going to have, actually.
1: Oh, good segue.
0: Because one of the purposes of the Spirit is to make Jesus known and to make his presence known. So, yeah, we we are going to – I feel like Steve should intro this because he was the one who actually – I was like, guys, you do know it's Pentecost. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you, sh- you should intro what we're going to talk about.
2: <laughs> well, we're, we've been going through Luke chapter by chapter, which has been great. Um, but we did want to pause this week, and I think it caught us all by surprise. At first, we thought, well, we just go into the next chapter. But this is Pentecost Sunday. And so we're shifting gears a little bit to focus on. Uh, what happened at Pentecost and the importance of it, what that really signified, and then how do we participate in that? I mm. think it's one of those, I don't know, sometimes grow, growing up, uh, for me, for certain, I was always like, oh, okay, it's, it's Pentecost. Well, what's that yeah. really mean? Um, and not and, every church
0: celebrates it. Yeah. So like Christmas, Easter, mm. like the sometimes of the year where you oh, we're going to interrupt whatever's going on because yeah. this is significant. Yeah. And we are going to interrupt what we're doing because Pentecost is significant. Yeah. So it must be something important about yeah. it. Yeah. So
1: let's do Pentecost 101, like everything we should know about Pentecost. And yeah,
0: because if I imagine yeah. not having talked about it before,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, I might think, oh, well, like the closest i'm aware of is like a pentecostal church Mm -hmm.
1: yeah that's what we've Mm -hmm. heard of or denominate
0: like that that might be the connection point i have so i'd be thinking Mm -hmm. oh is it a celebration of uh like being a charismatic church Mm -hmm. or being a spiritful church Mm -hmm. or like you know i i i would i'd be able to do some guesswork in that direction maybe yeah
2: well, I think part of that guesswork is you know you talked about a spirit-filled church. So the spirit's in there somewhere. Yeah. Um and which is, you know, even in your as we opened up and talking about pointing to Jesus and the spirit's yeah. role. So, okay, so we know Pentecost has something to do with the spirit.
0: Yeah. And it's uh it's not theologically uh it's not a celebration of a, a theology, it's a celebration mm. of an event. Okay. So that's here as well, in the same way that Christmas and Easter is us centering ourselves around the significance of something that's sort of punctuated mm. history, that we want to remind ourselves um, and sort of inhabit the rhythm of, mm. you know, God stepping in, in a way. So it's an event thing. And so it happened after Jesus had ascended. Okay. And then the disciples, they were in that room praying. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this weird place, let's do a little bit like imagine the disciples for a sec. So yeah. they've been with Jesus for three years. Jesus keeps telling them, I'm going to go die. They're either in denial or confused. Jesus dies. They're like, the world's falling apart. I'm dead. I always imagine, you know, like the Incredibles yeah. movie. When Wait,
1: do you come, do you talk about the Incredibles? Like it's one of, my favorite, it's one of my favorite movies.
0: <laughs> but when they're they're like the they're like in the rocket in the RV, you know, careening down the road, and all the kids are just like, "We're gonna die, we're oh, gonna that's die." Right. That's like that's what the disciples felt like at that moment. Mm. That's just a Tuesday. That's a the carpool visual. for me with my kids <laughs> <laughs> on two
1: seventeen. And then Jesus
0: appears resurrected. Yeah. And they're like, there's wonder and excitement, but they're so discombobulated, Mm. you know, and Jesus says some things to settle them. Um, But and he talked to them about this before. Mm -hmm. So he said he sort of expands on this idea that I'm going to equip you. I'm going to actually send the spirit. And so I'm going to go to be at the right hand of the father, but we're going to send the spirit. Who's gonna be like that more tangible connection you've had? Like that's actually the the tangibleness of your connection with God is gonna mm-hmm. be the spirit in the foreground, not now mm-hmm. me physically present with you in the foreground. And he says to them, you know, all these things now I'm I'm giving you these ideas, like the go make Jesus known. Yeah, to go make disciples like there's commissions Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. he's commissioned them into, but he says, "Wait, yeah, you need to wait." So there, I don't know. uh, This is, uh, I mean, we've all experienced this, right? Where you're, uh, uh, you know, something exciting is coming, and you're sort of itching to do it, but you feel like you should wait. Hmm. You know, like that cool toy that you want to play with. Like, I'm not just talking kids. We all have toys. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So some of our toys get a little bit less fun. You know, it might be a kitchen gadget, Mm -hmm. but it's okay. Um, I still like bikes. You do, so. yeah. <laughs> yes. And actually, Andrew and I would probably be quite happy with more kitchen toys. Yes, yes. Would. <laughs> yes. I'm
1: using my ice cream maker today. There you go. I'm very excited. <laughs> Anna
0: and I have, have uh, dilly dallied on getting an ice cream maker because yeah. of how dangerous it might be if we had one. It right. is. It
1: is a slippery <laughs> slope. No pun yeah. intended.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. uh, so like you can own one of a deep fat fryer and or an ice cream maker, <laughs> but not both, because that way madness <laughs> lies. <laughs> Mm. Um, but but when you're like, I want to unwrap it and I want to play with it and I want to do it, but we we bought it for my birthday, so I should wait two weeks. Mm. And that kind of itching, you know, you're looking forward to you and, and you almost like don't know what to do with yourself and it's just what it must have been like for the disciples waiting in that season, And but then it happened. And we'll read a bit about yeah. what it happened, but the spirit came, the church then launches with that group like the of the 12 like the the core disciple mm. but also the larger group of disciples around them um and it sort of kicks off the realization of the things Jesus had said were going to happen and so it's it's that event of the spirit coming to empower these people to go be the church on the mission Jesus commissioned them into Um, like the waiting is over. They get to tear the paper off and boom, you know, stuff starts happening, but it's interesting because it affects them, but the spirit is kind of poured out. And we don't talk about this very often, but it's almost as if the spirit's activity ramps up, not just in the disciples, but around them. Mm -hmm. Like people are being moved, convict, like seeing visions, like, like, All this crazy stuff is happening in the world. So it's not just about that group of disciples. It's about this, it's not a celebration of the church. It's not a celebration of us. It's a celebration of the spirit being on mission. And one of the primary ways the spirit is on mission is to empower the church. Mm. But the spirit shows up in all sorts of other radical ways as well. So it's not limited to that. Yeah. 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 But maybe mm. maybe we should talk about like get the get the storyline cuz Jesus said some really interesting things about the waiting and cuz cause you, cuz cause you might think i don't know can you imagine like the business strategy meeting okay we want to we want to launch like this great new initiative um you know we're going to be right for it. everything's prepped everything that's happened you know the world is watching on Jesus has risen but we're going to wait 50 days.
2: That's right. You go, <laughs> what? But there's something in that
0: waiting that is,
2: I mean, Richard, as, as you talk about this, I just think about everything we've seen Jesus sort of calling us to is this very countercultural way of living. And waiting is actually one of those things too. Mm-hmm. Like this is like, well, why can't I go now?
0: Especially in our culture, right? Yeah. Everything, you know, like Instant. yesterday, I was frustrated. I couldn't buy watercress instantly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like I, I want it's everything a common now.
1: Frustration. Most people would understand <laughs> yeah. that, right? <Roger>. Yeah.
0: But,
2: <laughs> but we're in a culture uh, look, right now. I can go on Amazon. Yeah, and I, I want something, something. delivered this afternoon. Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. if I,
0: I, why should I yeah. wait? And, or like, huh. oh, I want to ask Steve about that. Yeah. You know, we've all had that moment, yeah. right? Like, uh, like the fact that I can text you wherever you are, yeah, yeah, and, and then the answer. like the frustration when your notifications are turned off mm-hmm. and you're not gonna like mm-hmm. get yeah. back to me now. <laughs> <laughs>
2: like Steve, didn't you see? I <laughs> yeah. I so we're you this? really bad at waiting. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. I I think um, this is where it's sort of interesting uh, to sort of imagine our way into their lives because yeah. they had different. They didn't have those, the technological right. things. But it had been 400 years of prophetic yeah. silence waiting for a long time. That's a long time. Under Roman occupation, the pressure amplifies the waiting, the mm-hmm. need for resolution. John appears, then Jesus appears, then there's a resurrection. You know, so I think the sense of anticipation of like Aslan's on the move, you know, mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine a keener sense of expectation than what these disciples must have been left mm. with as they watched Jesus go up through the clouds to sort of disappear from this realm to go be with the Father. Mm-hmm. You know? Um talk about, you know, waiting to see the blue tick. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and what's yeah. gonna happen, like what's what's gonna happen next. So even even though they were really different to us, I imagine waiting would be a really hard thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think how hard it would have been to wait and pray for 50 days faithfully. Yeah. yeah. You know, like on what day did someone have the thought? So did we get the wrong end of the stick? Mm. You know, mm. like the, just the doubts, the hmm, I thought it was going to just the expectation. But it's, it, I think it actually reveals something about this group of people where what they've experienced with Jesus has so blown their expectations out of the water that it's got them to a place of new open handedness, which is enabling them to be patient with the things God's asking them to do. And God's going to continue doing it because then like, throughout the book of Acts, there's like God has to step into, hey, the way you're treating the Gentiles, like you've got an expectation. I need to break that down for you. You know, there's going to be other things, but yeah, it's really interesting the sort of place that these people are in. Um, And, and I, I guess this is a little bit of like why think about that at Pentecost. Yeah. I think I, maybe this is a little bit my head has been thinking about communion because I'm teaching on that the week after. Okay. And uh, spoiler alert, like that, the whole theology and practice of communion is about remembering something in a way that you kind of situate yourself in it to be affected by it in a fresh mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. So I kind of think about Pentecost, like the way, like the way we celebrate. Yeah, it's the same with Christmas. Like Christmas is the known one. You know, we, we give gifts because God gave a gift. We remember like God's generous and gave us things and gave us his son. And the, there's some more obvious ways to celebrate that are connected to our cultural celebrations. But then there's some subtler ways because they don't connect to our culture mm-hmm. about sort of journeying through the story. Thinking about how I might see myself reflected in a shepherd on a hillside. Mm-hmm. Or a magi seeking mm. or you know, and and trying to see how the way God is impacting humanity could impact me, you know. Yeah. And so that's that's why then I think with Pentecost it's an opportunity to like have a worship rave and just be like, Oh my goodness, like like can you believe what God's done? This yeah. is so awesome. Yes. Yeah. But also then to sort of journey through the story a little bit mm. and think wow, um, like what God did reveals so much about what God can do. Mm. And it's a high point. It's a mountaintop in the story of God and the story of humanity where God is on the move in such a profound way that I want to learn from it and be like, wow, can I, can I get a bit of that mountaintop here and now? You know, and uh, fortunately the answer is yes because yes. the spirit is still the same on the same mission (laughs) Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so um, i can invite that movement that transformation towards this story as well so yeah Yeah. i I was just aware i was kind of talking about something that might seem a little weird for a celebration yeah it's like that's what's behind the madness here mm -hmm. yeah
2: no and it's it's just a good reminder and i think I, i know in the past and you know it's so easy to I, I think I have traditionally thought of Pentecost, uh, um, a little bit superficially, and mm-hmm. and just kind of and, and thought of okay, the charismatic church and the you know Pentecostal um, denominations and and in, in in that aspect. But I think you know kind of going back and situating ourselves in the story of the of really this Pentecost that we're reading about in Acts mm-hmm. as a way to remind us when we celebrate Pentecost, this is what it's about, yeah. Is has been really helpful. So maybe can you... Um, Walk us through uh, just even the timing. So, uh, what was Pentecost traditionally before these events and Acts?
0: Um, oh, you've got something in mind. You should go for it.
2: Well, I was just thinking uh, is because it's a, a period of time after Passover. Yes. Right?
0: 50 days. So, right? that's the penta. There's a correlation yeah. between Old Testament. Yeah. Uh, there's there's a, a really interesting. Um, don't know what the word is book you could write or Mm. read or study you could do like something to think through uh all of the things god institutes in the old testament were they fitted the needs of that time of what god was up to how he was trying to lead and develop his people um but also uh the sort of echoes of the ultimate thing God wants to do in them <coughs> so so that they establish a pattern. And then Jesus comes along and is actually and he, the fulfillment of that yeah. pattern because he is the ultimate thing God is going to do. Yeah. And so, yeah, we see reflections um, of, of the pattern of Jesus back in the Old Testament, and sometimes it can help us understand the well, significance. And it's like he, significance.
2: he brings... He, f- he fills out, the, it's almost like you've got this loose drawing without any details, and he's filling in all the details and perfection um, of what it really is going to be and what his real intention in that design was and, and why he instituted it a yes. long time ago is pointing forward <coughs> to something. And so so Pentecost would have been this time where everyone would have been coming to Jerusalem as well, yeah, right, because it was a known
0: that, and uh, that's time. why in Acts, there's Jerusalem's full,
2: full uh-huh. of people, yeah. not just these disciples, but people from all over the place, um, all over, um, all Jews from lots of different regions. <coughs>
0: Excuse now you've, me, you've I really like up. had had a of drink that went down the whole yeah, way. I down. did. I oh my <laughs> gosh! Um,
2: so he's. Uh, so we saw in early Acts, Jesus um, he's with them, spend some time with them, um, and then he's uh, he says, "Hey, wait here for the um, <laughs> the Spirit. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and then you're and then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth." Right. So he sa- says this, and then he disappears. Then he's taken up. To back to heaven, and people are left going, well, wait a second, uh, what's that going to look like? And then we jump, and he goes through this, um, the disciples go through this period of com- filling out, they choose uh, Matthias, Matthias, right, um, to replace Judas. Yes, yeah.
1: and this is Acts 1, by the way. Yeah, this is this. in Acts
2: yeah. 1, but then the day of Pentecost comes, and they're all together, so starting in Acts chapter 2. So the day of Pentecost when they're all in one place. Um, So we know we've got not only the disciples, but um, Jews from all over um, the region. And they're all gathered for this Pentecost feast. And so what happens?
0: Yeah, That's the setting. And the, I guess the pattern thing, like the subtext then. So the Um, the celebration they're there for is the Feast of Weeks Mm -hmm. which sounds weird to us Mm -hmm. like which week like doesn't make (coughs) any sense but it's seven weeks in the day after Passover Mm -hmm. and it's actually a half it's a really interesting thing it's a harvest so it's a celebrating fruitfulness provision um, but it also came to commemorate the time that God gave the Ten Commandments to Mm -hmm. Moses so it's a it's not just provision like physically yeah. to subsist on you know in the land God gave them, but also spiritually to be mm-hmm. guided mm-hmm. to you know, and so it's really interesting the theme of like fruitfulness and revelation, when yeah. you then think about I mean famous phrases lots of Christians know the fruits of the spirit right. you know one of the things the on me, the spirit does is produce fruit, mm-hmm. but then also, especially like in the Gospel of John, the Reveals way Jesus the talked about, yeah, the yeah. spirit's role. Well. So, yeah, it, yeah So a, that's in the really background of time. their minds,
2: like, oh, this is yeah. what this, and they've been practicing this festival for millennia. Yes, yeah. For, so so that, for, a long, for a long, long, time. time.
0: Yeah,
2: um, and so they're all gathered. So they're all together. in
0: Jerusalem thinking about those yeah. things,
2: and now Jesus is going to. Show what the almost the yeah. fulfillment of Pentecost, like oh, this is kind of the what it's really
0: pointing towards. Yeah. And I don't know some of the. well we we, we need the details. Okay, from let's what get happened. some of those <laughs> details. Yeah, let's <laughs> yeah. get through. I keep. The I want to refer to know, fire and pillars and some of these so, things. So, yeah. so we need the detail. So um, I'm just gonna. You just talked a lot, and Angela's yep. losing a voice. So I'm gonna read a little bit of this. So. In chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And then it happens. Suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues like a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them the ability. Mm. Now, and then, and so that's the Spirit coming, but the the detail then of like the people watching that we've been talking about. Now, there were in Jerusalem at that time, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. So you've got uh, Jews and proselytes, like all these pilgrims, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, And at the sound (coughs) of this happening, a multitude came together and they were bewildered. I bet they were. Yeah. <laughs> what? Is uh, going because on? each of them, so people from all over the world, were hearing the disciples speak in their own language. So, like a Persian's, like, hang on, I'm hearing a couple of yeah. them speaking in Persian. You know, someone, yeah, look, all, all the different people from all over the world. Um, and they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Because Galileans had this uh, reputation of not being the sharpest tool in the box. Poorly educated, working class, uh, things like that. So it's so, sort of surprising to them. So, how is it we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontius, Ava. Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, it's quite a long list. I think yes. Luke's trying to make a point that there was a lot of different people and a lot a of different lot languages. Of languages. I'm not even reading the whole list. Um, and, but here's the thing, we hear them telling in our own language the mighty works of God. So like that theme that you had, that you've brought back of like making Jesus known,
1: mm-hmm.
0: hear the spirits poured out and the immediate effect is the mighty works of God are being mm-hmm. made known. Um, and they are all amazed and perplexed. Like, what does this mean? But then there were some others that were like, "Ah, oh, they're just drunk. Yeah. Which, like, I i had a foolish youth with alcohol and don't mm. drink anymore. But i got to tell you, when I was young and drunk, it never gave me the ability to speak <laughs> another language. <laughs> no. <laughs> so no. That would be some kind of liquor uh, mm. that had this effect. I, and then Peter, I was going to sort of, you know, speed up a yeah. little bit, but but Peter then addresses the crowd and he pulls from a prophecy in Joel that foretells the way God would work in a different mm, era by pouring out his spirit to empower his people, to be his people on the mission of God's people. Mm. And uh, he uh, talks to them about what God is doing. He reminds them of what God has done in Jesus And uh, like loads of people basically are like, like, yes, that combination Mm -hmm. of their awareness of like what's just happened in Jerusalem recently with Jesus. um, And for all of these proselytes and pilgrims and Jews, their knowledge of scripture is something they already looked to, to reveal, like for God to reveal what he's up to. And then you know Peter sewing it together, and then what the Spirit was doing—it all comes together, and people are like, "Yeah, like okay," and uh, yeah, thousands of people, um, uh, sort of added to the disciples, mm. which is they were a small group, like they fitted in uh, like that, like large rooms they used for feasts. So mm. our closest analogy might be like a church hall, yeah, you know, something. And then you've got like three thousand, so you've gone from being like a small church hall of a group thinking, "What's what's Jesus going to do next?" To like filling a, mm. you know, like a large like know, a stadium, stadium, like arena, yeah. like something like yeah. that. Yeah, so so re- really interesting <laughs> events, but there's some interesting like the pattern, mm. like the imagery, like wire wind. Why these like tongues of fire? Tongues of fire. Why the uh, languages? Why the languages? Like what's going on? Oh. Yeah. So might be good. We I mean we could talk about the Holy Spirit.
2: Yeah, <laughs> and, it would be a yes. long podcast,
0: but maybe those three images that they'd be yeah. good for us to unpack a little bit of. So I'm I'm gonna go for the fire first because talking about Moses and the Ten Commandments okay. we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. As God moved his people in, like, towards the promised land and into the promised land, there's a couple of significant things he did. One was giving them the law. He's like, I'm going to establish, because it's a fulfillment of what happened with Abraham, that God was going to bless Abraham, and Abraham in faith was going to then respond to the things God told him. Mm-hmm. and that that, was that relationship of trust and obedience was going to enable Abraham to be blessed and to be a blessing to all the nations, that God's plan of redemption might work. And so they needed that relationship with God. They needed God's presence, but they also needed to know what to obey. They needed directing. And so it's it's sort of interesting the way that fire becomes an image of both of those things because mm. at the mountain where god would speak like it, it was fire and a cloud and flashes of lightning mm. so like the imagery around like god doing those things and god being present on the mountain was this sort of uh, cloud and fire mm. but then god gave them the tabernacle this tent where he said, like, you're gonna, this is the tent you're going to pitch in the middle of the camp, and I'm going to be present in the middle of the camp. And you're going to know that I'm in that tent mm-hmm. because there'll be a pillar of cloud or a pillar of fire. So God's presence, God's ability to direct his people, these same sort of images of uh, sort of cloud and fire again. Oh, I love that. And then what do we have here? Like the rushing wind which yeah. has another thing, but it's, kinda it's mm, kind of cloudish. It's kind of, and then the tongues of fire. Mm. Like uh, the the idea of these forked tongues is like the fire came and instead of one pillar of fire, it splits into loads of pillars yeah. of fire. And the pillar of fire that represents God's presence and God's leadership is actually like, wh- where's, like where's the tent? Because it's sort of... It's yeah. yeah, It's almost like uh, follow the star. Like you want to see where God's presence is. Find the pillar, and under the pillar, like you'll find the place where God is. What's under each of the pillar? A disciple, a human being. Yeah. So, so this amazing imagery of the Spirit coming, and it's it's God's glorious presence Mm. to 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 be active in the midst of His people, to be fulfilling Mm. His covenant promises, to be leading his people, is actually distributed so that every single person, and and I think it's this twofold thing of they have access to God in that way, but also they become to others an access point for God in that that way. To
1: to be followed. I mean, going back to the pillar of fire and the pillar of clouds, uh, cloud, one cloud, um, I love that part. It's in Exodus, right? Um, and I, if you study that book, um, in fact, the Israelites would set up their camp. And not only was the tabernacle specifically made in a very orderly way specified by God, um, but also the way that Moses specified exactly how the Israelites were to set up their camp. And they did it in such a way in lines really orderly, in kind of a square formation centered around the tabernacle. And when the Israelites would wake up in the morning, they'd open their tents and right in front of them would be this pillar of cloud or pillar of fire, fire at night, cloud at day. And um, if that cloud started to move, then they would know to pack up and leave and they would follow it. So not only was it in the center, but if it moved, they had to follow. So mm. bringing that to Acts 2, given that the fire is now in everybody and they're representative of of God because they're God's people with his power and his presence to be followed as
0: well. Yeah. Um,
1: and not followed like <laughs> they are gods, but followed they, because they are kingdom people now.
0: Yeah, they what they effectively become is... Temples, yeah, access points, mm-hmm. which is really significant because when we get back to Luke, what we're going to see in the next bit of Luke we look at is Jesus talking about the way that Jerusalem was going to be judged and fall hmm. and the temple, was it, that was not going to be the access point anymore. So it's a, it's like a changing of the guard, like the access point has changed from a building in Jerusalem to a people filled with the Spirit. Um, and it's, it's really important at Pentecost, I think, to keep both the aspects, um, like what a profound privilege that God would want to not just be accessible, like, well, Richard, if you go on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem, you can be in my presence, but I'm actually going to put my presence in you so that you never have to go anywhere to have my presence. Because it's always going to be with you. So there's the sort of wow, personally. But Pentecost is a celebration, actually, of us being activated to be the temple in the world, as well as as a people, as a, the whole church all over the world. You know?
2: So this is that. This is that inauguration and that change in temple language, mm-hmm. almost. Um, y- I was thinking, you know, when Jesus was talking about, like you said, the um, temple falling, etc. He's really referring to his body, you know, being yeah. changed and saying no, and it's going to be changed. In not only the temple in Jerusalem, but his death, yeah, as well. But he was going to rebuild it in yeah. three days, so his resurrection. So we've got that temple language all over the place. And then doesn't Paul tells us also? Don't you know your bodies are um, uh, a temple, yeah, for the spirit, you know. Um, to saying the same thing, we as Christians, when we're filled, uh, when we're indwelt, we become that presence, yeah, um, in the world, yeah, and that's what we're designed to do,
0: yeah. Uh, there's there's so much, I don't know, incarnational theology, yeah. you know, to to unpack about why Jesus had such a profound impact Mm. as a human who is perfect because he was God's son, but totally filled with the Holy spirit and the way we get to be an incarnational presence Mm. in the earth. And yeah.
1: So I just want to throw it out there um, because I'm thinking if somebody's reading acts two and they're, they're thinking, okay, well, here's a question. If, if this is how, the holy spirit came to people in the early church how does it come to people mm. now yeah in our church if we're we're not a pentecostal church do we still get the holy spirit do we only get the Holy Spirit when we're baptized? I haven't been up there on a Sunday to get baptized. Do I have the Holy Spirit? Yeah, good question. I just thought I'd
0: ask for you. Actually, I thought a similar Mm -hmm. thing because, Steve, earlier on you used the word a charismatic church, and I was like, oh, we should say what that is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's come back around. So that's really good, yeah. Um, So I'll start with that phrase because I think being a charismatic church to a theologian means one thing, and to the average person on the street means another thing. And you were meaning it in the theological way. Because mm. I think sometimes when people just culturally talk about a charismatic church, they mean it's going to be sort of exuberant worship. People might speak in tongues. There might be prophecies there. Um, I don't know if you had the phrase in America, but like in the 90s, people were like, oh, it's a happy, clappy church. Yeah. You know, Yeah. but just, you know, letting it all <coughs> hang out there. You know, mm-hmm. all the excitement, um, worshipping a different way. So it's it it's a sort of stylistic yeah adjective. Um but to a theologian, a charismatic church means a church that believes the charisma, which is a phrase, oh sorry, a word taken from what when Paul talked about the Holy Spirit in mm-hmm. Corinthians, mm-hmm. which we did a series on last summer, so you can go back go and find that, that on out. YouTube or something if you're like, Oh, what's that? I've not heard of that. Um, but they believe that the things that Paul said the Holy Spirit was doing in the church, the Holy Spirit still does in the mm-hmm. church today. That the the, uh, the sort of roadmap for what the Spirit did, how the Spirit did it, why the Spirit did it, and how to honour those things that Paul was unpacking, and not just Paul, but right. th- that's a, like a, a really important landmark text on it that that's totally relevant to us today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, we have to learn the same lessons because the spirit's doing he's the same holy spirit. He the holy spirit is not doing the same things in the same way because part of mission is to go uh, like seek people out and find them where they are. It's going after the yeah. 99 where the where the one of the 99 is located now is different than it Very was 2000 years yeah. ago. But <clears throat> the spirit's on the same mission, mm-hmm. and so yeah. So we are a charismatic church in that sense. We also happen to be like somewhere in the middle of the spectrum of a charismatic church in the style, stylistically. Sense. But that's so subjective; it's yeah. not really a really useful word. Because <laughs> yeah. one person's charismatic is another person's. Oh, you're really boring and quiet. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. But so so we believe the Holy Spirit is active. Um. Yeah, doing all those mm, things, mm. which is why we did a Holy Spirit series because right. it's such an important part of the life of the church yeah. that we want to periodically keep looking at those important things yeah. that the Bible says yeah. about that. So I want to get back to Angela's question. Yeah. So that's a, that's that's, that's answers the one thing. Yeah. So then the how. Yes. Yeah. So this is um, baptism was a sign of the initiation of a new thing. And so um it and and oh my goodness, I think we might have talked about the summer podcast last summer when we did it, so I'm going to do like the quick version, yeah, yeah. because it's a big question, true. but there are some Christians who believe that you get to know Jesus, you you enter into the kind of like Abraham faith and obey mm. relationship, where it's like you become one of his people, and he's like, "I'm going to bless you, I'm in covenant relationship with you." I'm going to rescue you from Babylon. You're mine. you know. So you, you belong to Jesus. Mm. Um, so you are a Christian. Um, but then th- there's a second thing that you need, which is to receive the Holy Spirit. Mm. And it's, it, it comes from the bits we're reading in Acts um, because there was a gap between them between resurrection and pentecost uh-huh. so they experienced a, a gap here because uh-huh. the holy spirit hadn't come um, but the like that that idea of being baptized like of, of having a holy spirit come to dwell in you um to fit for you to become a temple uh all the all the rest of the new testament gives us a theology of that being just like, that's what it means to be a Christian. Mm. There are no Christians where God says, well, you're one of my people, but I'm not sure I want to make you a temple yet. Right. And this t- the, this is too big of a thing to unpack, pull the scriptures out. So I'm just, mm. I'm mm. giving the short answer. Mm. Um, so the way I describe it when someone comes to be baptized, if they've got questions about this, it's like, well, you know, what's going on with you today? Getting baptized. Mm. Are are you actually stepping into a relationship with Jesus right now for the first time? Mm. If you are, then like God is also He's going to come into your life and fill you with the Holy Spirit, mm. um, and and we get to celebrate both of those things as a part of baptism. And actually, you know that's beautiful. But there's loads of people who are like, well, you know, I've I've known Jesus for a while now. I'm actually getting baptized you know, not to initiate that relationship with Jesus, but to I don't know, commit to it, to, to respond to what it. Jesus has started to do, to level it up, yeah. to, you know, all these things. And I say to them, you know, you um, you don't need the Holy Spirit that you don't have. You already have the Holy Spirit. Yeah. But maybe there's something about your story and then you can have a little chat with people mm. where mm. you kind of feel... because. Being full of the Holy Spirit, it's not like, oh, you know, you got two scoops mm. and I only got one and like Angela got five and like what's up with yeah. that? You know, it's it's not an amount thing. It's actually a relational thing. Mm. Like or, or the way that being filled with the Holy Spirit is passed out through all of the rest of the New Testament mm. is in those terms of like faith and obedience. Mm. Are you listening? Are you hearing? Are you responding? You know, um, it's it's all communication, relational dynamics with the Holy Spirit participating alongside our thoughts, our actions. You know, it's it's not like the Force in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And so, I often say to people, like your your experience of your story might be one where, even though I can explain to you, you have the Holy Spirit, you want to have a richer relationship yeah. with the Holy Spirit. And that can be something that can be awesome to pray for and press into and ask Jesus, like, what's going on with my mm, relationship mm. with, with, with the, the Spirit and my relationship with the Father and Jesus through the Spirit? Uh, and you can do that when you get baptized or at any other time mm. as well. And so, yeah, that's, that's kind of the how. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so it's not like a separate prayer. Yeah. Like, oh, you want to get to know Jesus? Well, let's pray for you to become one of Jesus's people, a Christian. And then do you want us to also pray that you're filled with the Holy Spirit? Mm. Because there's some metaphysics behind this of like, actually there's no being made one of God's people without, without. the work of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has to come in yeah. to, into you, your whole person to initiate that work, to inaugurate that work as well.
2: So I think I've always heard, um, you know, sort of two terms when talking about that, and that's kind of the indwelt by the spirit versus filling. Yeah, by the Spirit. And is that how you're sort of... Yeah, and it's awkward uh, because a lot of the times
0: the New Testament uses the word filled. Yeah, It's actually talking baptism language. It's Mm. talking about the way that God has initiated a Mm. giving His Spirit to you relationship. Mm -hmm. There are some other places where filled is used in a a sort of what's the strength of the relationship sense. So we have to pay really close attention. And if we simplistically just think the word filled always yeah. means this, then there's going to be a couple of passages we're going to get wrong. Yeah, So it's uh, just uh, a complexity uh, of the yeah. fact that Greek to English doesn't help us around this one.
2: Well, what I hear, though, in and in, in for that person out there that's struggling with your question, Angela, like how do I know if I have the Spirit, is a, a, a real simple thing like have you... When Jesus has become, when you've received and accepted him, you have the spirit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's as simple as that. It's not an
1: extra special thing. And different denominations believe different things about this. And maybe Um, practice it in some different mm -hmm. ways as well. So, but this is, we're just talking about what we believe as a church here.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. But you know, and, some and and some of that as well. Like I often say, you know, there might be another church that uses the word baptism. like Pentecostal churches. Yes. Mm-hmm. They yeah. use the word baptism of the Spirit to mean something much more like I want to step into like a full recommit myself to the Spirit's yeah. work in my life, be and be filled in the relationship. Yeah, yeah. Do you know? What? I I mean it could be great to clarify it like for christian unity to talk in the same way but uh, i just think the father's just really happy that people yeah, want to seek him and uh, and want all of what he has you know mm, if they want to use the mm. word baptism like, i'm not going to stop a prayer meeting but like guys guys that's the wrong word <laughs> or yeah, I know, yeah, you know yeah, so i think sometimes there is disagreement and we could clarify but i'm not always sure it's totally worth Mm-hmm. Uh making a fight out of that. Yeah. So that's another sort that's of helpful. way to look at some of those differences yeah. is in the same way that um charismatic is a word a theologian might use differently. Right. Yeah, in some other traditions. So I so I think some of the dis- some of the differences amongst Christian traditions mm. are mm. like we're using words in different ways. Mm. There yeah. are some substantial differences as well. Some churches are not charismatic in the mm. theological sense. They think that the Holy Spirit doesn't do today right. the things he did in the book of Acts. Right. So there are substantial differences as well, but a mm. lot of them are actually not substantial between, you know, yes. at your average Christian, you meet at a coffee shop and you're like, oh, you know Jesus too and you get talking and realize they talk about Jesus a bit different than mm. you. Um, sometimes it's not as much of a difference as you think. Mm-hmm.
1: But one thing that I think everyone would agree about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit equips to do God's work mm-hmm. and fill out um, or to fulfill a, a commission um, on an individual or a church. And um, I love the order of events here as we study it. I'm looking at Pentecost, this, and we've been walking with Jesus and the disciples through Luke and the way that um, we see Jesus enter into this relationship with his disciples and then the inner circle, but also the outer circle, um, and even the Pharisees and the religious leaders. And it's about the relationship, no matter who you are, Jesus wants to be known. And remember in Luke, as we're studying it, like this all happens before the Pentecost. Mm-hmm. So, so it's a relationship first. It's knowing Jesus first. And then he commissions them. Um, he tells them about how he's, he's going to die and what their role is. And then he equips them with the, mm. with the Holy Spirit as a church and as individuals. Yeah. And just this idea, know Jesus... First, just know him, who he is, ask the questions, ask the hard questions, battle with him on it Mm -hmm. even. And then and then he's going to tell you a little bit about who you are and about who who he is and what what your role is to be in light of knowing him. And then he equips. So the equipping comes at the at the end yeah. Not, I'm going to equip you so that you can do this. Mm-hmm. So here's your yeah. equipping, and now I'm going to tell you what to do.
0: And even the way we think about equipping, mm-hmm. like, you know, if I, if I want to equip Steve, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, I've got a skill that you haven't learned yet. So I'm going to teach it to you, and then you can go do it by yourself. Actually, the way the spirit equips mm-hmm. is more of a, um, it, the, he develops us, purifies us, refines our humanity to be the, the right tool. But then also that tool by itself still can't do the job. Uh, yeah. and, and it's I mean, the host. That's next spirit. level, yes. That's like that that's like the batteries mm, yeah. in the torch or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, sorry, in the flashlight. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Translate for <laughs> us. Please, Richard yes. <laughs> Don't use the word torch the same torch. way English people no. do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so he he equips by actually the things he does through us. And mm-hmm. that's one of the things Paul talks about mm-hmm. in Corinthians yeah. is mm-hmm. the different manifestations of the spirit. Uh, they are equippings, they but they're are not the sort equippings. of equippings where it's like, oh, the Spirit's equipped me to just be able to prophesy. No, the Spirit's taught me to like listen to his voice and discern and use scripture and, and prayer and community to discern a prophecy. But if the Holy Spirit doesn't show up and do something, I got nothing, yeah. right? So it's it's still like the center of this is not us, mm-hmm. but the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. on mission activated yeah. doing things. Yeah. It's so key. It's so key. Even like uh we talked about fire, but the idea of breath. Yeah. Right? So the the idea of wind and breath is really significant. When Jesus told the disciples because Jesus actually himself experienced a growing relationship with the mm. Holy Spirit. He experienced that moment after he had been tempted and had mm. wrestled with his identity and things like that, that the Holy Spirit was upon him in a way that the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit was, like, I, it wasn't just batteries in the flashlight. It was like he grabbed hold of the power cables, you know. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. amazing was happening that sort of interrupted, you know. Um, yeah. and, the, and you get examples of this in the Old Testament as well. So it's, a um, yeah, really really interesting. Right. But this idea of breath about, like, God moving something. And so you you have this right from the beginning of Genesis that uh-huh. the world is in chaos and the breath of God hovered over the waters. Yeah. So it's like you've got you've got this chaos and the opening scene like in the dark is just this <sighs> you know like God's breath, God's spirit is starting to work. And God's spirit's often in the foreground where God's like getting his hands dirty doing something, mm. moving something. And so, and that theme continues on. That God then puts His breath in the human beings He's made, yeah. mm-hmm. so that so so God is giving a bit of His own ability to move things to these humans to commission them to go move the world as His partners. And, and it, uh, it, it all centers on this idea of breath. And then Jesus says to His disciples, at the end of John, He breathed on them yeah. and said, "Receive the Holy Spirit." Mm. And now the fulfillment of it, the Holy Spirit is coming as this breath. But that sound of wind—that's the—it's got the cloud connection, mm. but the breath thing, because the cloud thing was about mm, the breath mm. thing in the temple. Mm, it all connects I love together. It. it's yeah. so great. Um, but but the, the disciples would have understood that sound of God's breath yeah. to mean God's about to push something, well, and, I, and He's going to use us. It's, I, I love
2: how you you brought back to you know the early the. First page of Genesis, this creation idea. And I see this as like, you know, here we've got this inauguration of something new being created as well. He's he's on the move in mm-hmm. the world, creating something new by empowering his people, uh, by breathing upon them, yeah. by turn they're a temple now as well. And I, I see this, frankly, this this tongues, this language thing right. I, in another
0: way. Um because there's a newness to that but it's also the redemption and restoration well, of something. I was
2: I was looking back like remember in early in Genesis as well. Yeah. Uh, cuz what I see here is suddenly everyone can hear the languages. Yeah. And so you've got this uh, this unity. Yeah. You know, almost. And yet um back in Genesis 11 um You know, man's trying to create his tower for themselves and strive on their own. The Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel.
0: Yeah.
2: Right? And so God confuses everybody by all these different languages that come out, and he's almost... It, what well, I see here is now he's redeeming that. Yeah. It's like an undoing doing, of it. Yeah. 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 He's he's reversing it. And
0: it, it connects to the like go and make disciples thing as well. Yeah. So so the commission in the garden to humanity was to go spread God's goodness throughout mm-hmm. all the earth. It mm-hmm. was a go thing. Mm-hmm. Uh like what God did with Abraham, because he's come up a couple of times. Yeah. You know, in that call to Abraham to make yeah. him one of his people was you need to you need to uh get up and leave and go to somewhere I'll show you. It was about yeah. movement. But what you've got at the Tower of Babel is humanity refusing to go.
2: Yeah.
0: In their insecurity, they will not step into God's purpose and they get together and they refuse to move. And then in that arrogance, they decide to invade heaven with mm-hmm. the tower. And God has to disrupt both of those things because yeah. they're both broken. Yeah. But now... We have the undoing of Babel that mm-hmm. everyone can now understand each other, but it's an undoing also where now heaven is invading earth mm-hmm. and where people are going to be sent and go. Yeah, And so it's a complete redemption. And yeah, just this amazing marker, mm. uh, just so rich with symbolism that God is accomplishing his restoration plan. Yeah. This is such a massive like foretaste of God's accomplishing it. There's mm-hmm. going to be so much more work to do. We still find ourselves today in the inaugurated kingdom mm-hmm. where we see like Jesus on the move, but are like, oh, Jesus, come! Like, you got to come back. Mm-hmm. You got like we like this is not enough. Mm-hmm. It's and, incomplete.
1: <laughs> and I mean, just to connect the dots, it may seem obvious, but it just has a new ring to me. Complete redemption of the division because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. This has has happened after his crucifixion. Yeah. crucifixion and death. And so so that's what accomplished the redemption, not the Holy Spirit accomplishing the Holy Spirit's evidence of the yeah. redemption that's already been done.
0: Yeah, Jesus's death and resurrection make something possible. Mm. Now that's, that's good. A, why all right, well, maybe that's like a 20-podcast series question we can do sometime. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but that's a really important connection. Yeah, I love that. Mm
2: -hmm. Hey, so we start out with kind of three questions that we were going to sort of try to wrestle through as we talked about this. So what is Pentecost? I think we taught, how would you summarize that in like just a simple sentence for someone?
0: Um, The celebration of God sending the Holy Spirit to inaugurate the church.
2: And that's part of that second question, too. Yeah. Why celebrate? It? Yeah,
0: because of all those things we
2: talked about. Like yeah, now he's undone, he's reversed these things, and he mm-hmm. heavens invaded earth, he's transformed us through the act on the of Jesus on the cross and through his death and resurrection. Yeah, and now he's, he's sent his spirit, yeah, to inaugurate it. And so how do we celebrate? That's
0: our last question. I think we said a little bit about that. But in the same way, like Easter is this opportunity to situate myself at the foot of a cross and in front of an empty tomb and lots of the other scenes in between and think, that's reality. That's the most poignant, clear, like thin space where the veil between heaven and earth was eroded so so God's reality mm. could be most clearly seen I, and I want to recenter myself around that mm. reality to be affected by that reality I, I think if you celebrate Pentecost well there's a sort of a, it creates an opportunity to pause reflect to rejoice to be excited about yeah. to be thankful for the things God is doing like in you around you things like that because he sent his spirit. But it's also it creates a moment to reflect. Like this would be a really good time of year to think I want to be more full with the Holy Spirit upon me like Jesus had. Like I don't want just like one of those little one volt, you know, batteries the size of a quarter. I want the power cables. Hmm. It to to sort of see the profound nature and generosity and abundance of what God is doing and, and sort of ask God the question like how can I situate myself more in this hmm. you know to uh, allow a bit of room to desire it you know um, it, it, it's the equivalent of uh like window shopping on Amazon. Right, explain the, the, Richard. So, so <laughs> yeah, like, is it not obvious no, to you? It's I obvious want to me. Say it, it just, I this know just what you're in saying my, this just popped in my head, and I was like, <laughs> Oh, yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> and so, let's see if it is right. Because <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, you're on Amazon, and you're looking for one thing, and they see an ad for another thing, and then before you know it, you've looked at six versions of it, and you read the descriptions, and then you start to read some of the mm. reviews, and then you watch the video of it, and like you know, 20 minutes later, you absolutely need something that you didn't know existed 20 minutes ago, (laughs) right? Right, right, right. And it's by looking and wondering and imagining and sort of learning about it Mm -hmm, that you get mm -hmm. drawn towards it. Mm -hmm. Pentecost, like lots of other celebrations in the Christian year, they take something important and it's like putting an ad in front of us for it.
2: Oh, okay, and saying, okay. look mm-hmm. at this,
0: give it some of your attention, watch the video, imagine it, think it through, you know, to, so so think that makes w- sense. It's yeah. like a billboard. Like on that, that's yes. part of the mm-hmm. yeah. It's like, yeah, doom scroll through acts for a while yeah, instead yeah. of Facebook, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. like just allow yourself to be inquisitive mm-hmm. uh, about what God is up to as he sends his spirit yeah. because it is reality it's accessible like you can click by now you can do it oh. you just can. you just need to start interacting with god because the stuff he wants to do oh that's good yeah.
2: Well, I didn't quite have
0: the Amazon <laughs>
2: analogy, so I'm glad Sometimes you explained Sometimes weird illustrations <laughs>
0: pop in my head, yeah. and they demand to be heard. I, I
2: was thinking, I was <laughs> writing down, as you were talking about how to celebrate it, and I just I put down these three words for myself. First, recognize, really recognize what he actually did mm-hmm. at this moment in time, for all time's sake, and then reflect on what he's doing through that what he's calling me, you, our church together mm-hmm. into um, and how he's empowering us. So recognize, reflect, but then also rededicating and re-energizing yeah. with a, a desire to go do that. And uh, I, I think all of that comes back to, you know, Angela, what you said earlier, like that's a re-energizing to go, show Jesus to someone else. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Re-energize and respond. Like what the actions, you know, Yeah. I love that acts is short for actions too. (laughs) And so there's a doing in it. Yeah. And for me, reflecting also involves me thinking about my own life and the years I had, um, the years I lived before I was a follower of Christ before I had the Holy Spirit, um, going from darkness to light and, and how things have changed in my life mm. since then, and um, to really be appreciative. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I've always heard, you know, Pentecost is the birthday of the church. And um, gosh, it's so much more personal than that. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. some, a takeaway that yeah. I have had from there's the this out, conversation. It, it's the
0: both sides of the coin. Mm-hmm. It, it's um, like you were just saying, you know, that desire to go make Jesus known. It's the outward mm. facing. Mm-hmm. But the flip side of that is the... If you want to know Jesus more, the Holy Spirit is your means oh, yeah. to that. Mm-hmm. So, uh-huh. it, and actually, knowing Jesus more is the fuel for making Jesus known. Yeah, and so it's oh, it, yeah, it, it, the, it connects these two things together because you can't really know Jesus and not be on the mission of Jesus, but you can't be on the mission of Jesus if you don't know Jesus, and uh, they, they they both. They grow together, um, you know. We 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 step into those things alongside each other. other otherwise, we end up with a limp, and we we don't walk the path towards Jesus. You know, mm. we sort of mm. we get a bit closer, but we're kind of veering off over here as well. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. So there you go. There's there's our celebration chat I about, about Pentecost. Um, take a bit of time. You know, read Acts. Go for a prayer walk. Do a bit of journaling, reflect, wait. talk in your community, <laughs> wait. Yeah. And um, yeah, just like enjoy the gift that mm. having something interrupt our normal rhythms is to help us reflect on yeah. something so important. All right, look forward to hearing the stories in a week's time.
1: See you next week. Happy Pentecost. <laughs>